Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode here on the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron White, and instead of new release reviews this week, we're going to mix things up a bit and bring you some recommendations for films of 2022 that we consider hidden gems and are now available on a streaming service, as well as oftentimes for rent or purchase digitally. Who is this we that I am referring to? Well, that would be my good friend and longtime collaborator, Don Shanahan, Chicago-based film critic from Every Movie Has a Lesson, the Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast, and newly rebranded Film Obsessive, which I hope he can tell us a little bit about here shortly. Thank you for being here, Don. Thank you for having me, Aaron. As always, this is a pleasure to talk to the feelers and to talk to you. Yes, it has been a while. We tried to get together about a month ago, I want to say. I had queued you up to be on, and then I bailed on you and said, I don't need you anymore. I forget what happened, but uh, you're a busy man, and I I appreciate you making some time because I miss talking to you. I miss doing this uh, stuff with you. I think the last time... I think the last time we were officially on was our fall picks that a couple of them came true in our list here. That's right. You know, we should go back and listen to that actually and see how it turned out. I don't ever do that, but I bet it's very different than what we assumed in most cases was going to happen. Yeah, I'm looking at my list that we're going to talk about here in a second, and maybe one was on that shit. All of a sudden, these other ones become truly hidden gems. Yeah, for sure. Well, how you been? How is award season treating you? And and what's up with Film Obsessive? Yeah, um, award season is nuts. I'm drinking from a fire hose. Um, I'm recording this episode two days before my first voting deadline, which is for the Critics' Choice Association. Our nominations are due um, Friday the 9th, and I have not finished my ballot with 48 hours to go. Um, I was trying to cram as many films as I can in. I, I'm not going to make it to every film that's on my wish list before Friday, but I know my fellow nominees or fellow members will fill the field without me, and I will just be able to see everything before voting come January. But uh, it's going all right. Um, exciting news for for myself is um over on um over on Twenty Five Well, where I've been usually publishing for the last three years or so, they're starting to rebrand for something called Film Obsessive. They've been branching a little bit um as Twenty Five YL Media, where they've spun out horror obsessive over the last year or two where that's been super successful to the point where it's getting better numbers than the home side of 25 well um they tried a little bit with sports obsessive had did not really find the audience or the market or the writers or the help for it but film obsessive has been going really strong for a long time it's been kind of the the film side has been the bulk of 25 wells content so they're going to brand that as being its own just film only site and send 25 well back to what it used to be and was originated as, which was a Twin Peaks tribute site, because that content and fan base is still there and kind of excited for content year-round. So I'm excited to do Film Obsessive. Um, I've kind of climbed the ladder there where I've been a content supervisor helping with scheduling and finding new writers and talent. And then now I'm an assistant editor there where I have to clean up other people's articles and my own. So it's been fun. Sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like a whole lot of work for a guy with a day job. Oh, it is. It is. And it pays me zero dollars. So it's good time. It's all for the love of the game, like we mm-hmm. say. All right. Well, let's get into these picks, shall we? A quick note for our listeners. These are not going to be full reviews. We're just going to list off some movies that we really liked this year that maybe haven't gotten as much popular or general moviegoer buzz as we think that they should. We'll give you a few reasons and then we'll keep this moving at a relatively brisk pace for you. I say that with a lot of hopefulness, but we're film critics and we like talking about movies. And so we're going to try to make this, you know, a little bit snappy, but we'll see how it goes. 
I will get us started though. And I don't think that I have talked about any of these that are my picks on the podcast before, though one of them did come up in our Sundance Film Festival 2022 recap episode that I did with a couple of my fellow Seattle film critics who attended that festival. Speaking of, I'll briefly share some good news about Sundance. Don is cheering me on, which I really appreciate. He has always been one of my biggest cheerleaders, means a lot. After not expecting it at all, and in fact, really struggling somewhat with some feelings of rejection that I had experienced in a few different recent applications regarding film critic upward movement, I should say, I got the great news that Sundance has approved myself and for feeling film to be in person at Sundance 2023. I am incredibly honored. I am incredibly excited. I have already booked my lodging and my plane ticket. I have already found someone to watch Gimli and uh, feed the cats. I'm ready to go. I'm going to be on the ground in Park City for five days and I think six nights from opening night uh, through that first weekend. Really pumped. I'm going full bore. So we're talking, I'm going to be the guy who's trying to see six movies every single day that I'm there. That's what my goal is. I think the coverage plan will be most likely to be dropping uh, capsule reviews of each film on the website as I see them and as quickly as I can possibly get those out. So I'll put all of that on social media as of course we get closer. And then once I get home, it actually works out really well because the folks who can only do virtual don't get access to anything I don't believe until the same day that I'm flying home. And so I will plan to immediately transition into dropping some podcasts on a bunch of the films that I've seen, likely with some of the other uh, film critics who were able to take part in those as well. So you'll get some written content. You'll get, of course, lots of podcast blah, 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 lots of podcast content on those films. And uh, I'm, like I said, just extremely, extremely grateful for this opportunity and uh, hope to have a blast. Should be a big adventure. Man, I couldn't be happier for you. Uh, hobnob, have fun, drink all the coffee, sleep in all the hostel beds, do what you got to do to have a good time down there. Definitely. That's the plan. Well, my first film that I want to share is called The Fallout. This is a directorial debut from Megan Park that premiered at South by Southwest in 2021, and then it quietly dropped onto HBO Max in January. Here we are now in December, and it's still one of the best movies that I've seen all year. I will say, though, it is a challenging watch for sure. Part of me hates to go into specifics because I watched it without knowing much about what was happening, but I think that it warrants a trigger warning, and so I want to be respectful of people more than I want to preserve the main plot being hidden from you. So. The crux of what the situation is, is that there is a school shooting and it is handled with the most incredibly powerful and affecting restraint that I think I've ever seen before. It's no less harrowing, but it's not in the least bit exploitive. And it's all about how three students come together in an unlikely way to deal with the aftermath of this tragedy and its impact on them you really end up feeling the grief and the trauma as if you were in the shoes of a teenage girl. And for me, the main cast member 
This was Jenna. Well, I wasn't the main cast member. <laughs> That's what it sounded like I just said. Uh, this was Jenna Ortega's best performance of the year so far. Uh, it's been an amazing run for her. She had this film, then she had Scream 5, she was in X, and recently she has had much success with that Wednesday Netflix TV show that I haven't watched yet, but everyone keeps telling me is amazing. Her emotional range, the realistic down-to-earth way in which these characters struggle to move on, and then there are some brilliant scenes with the parents, one of which is uh, played wonderfully by John Ortiz. It all makes this something really special and extremely hard to forgive. It's a great reminder that healing is not something that just comes, and it is an ongoing process, too. Uh, this is a fantastic debut, and I will be looking forward to what Megan Park does next. Man, I, I, I don't think I've heard of that one until you said it right there. And I've heard the Jenna Ortega love, thanks to Wednesday lately, but uh, that one's going straight to the list. And of course, as a school teacher, that's a trigger warning sensitive topic for me, but a reality thing that I'm that I'm used to and I'm ready for it at any point. Uh, well, you you start with something with wholly real, tangible, important topics, and I go to one that's mockumentary of a <laughs> grandiose topic. Um, my first one to uh, advertise for folks to see is available on Peacock. It is Haunt for Jesus, Save Your Soul with Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall. It's about, uh, I think it's Georgia, about uh, some big church swindlers who are kind of blind to their own greed, and they've been closed for a while because of a scandal and they're trying to reopen church in time for the next easter sunday and a film crew is kind of following them around very documentary style and uh it kind of catches them in this act of um trying to get the church back going what the extent they're trying to kind of think they can grassroots market with their little gucci and, and prada wear where they're just not made for grassroots anything they've been so kind of high in the hog and drunk on the power that they have that this just isn't going to work for them and no one's going to come back to this church, but no one realizes it. And they especially don't realize it. Um, this has been expanded from a YouTube short. And uh, Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us gives a wonderfully uh, energetic performance. But it is really Regina Hall who is the most impressive in this movie. She, uh, The camera stays on her really, really well. Where um, She's going to be a nomination for me for Best Actress when I get my balance out there. Because uh, there's this kind of observant kind of triple layered angle to what she does. Because... Doing the mockumentary thing or the documentary thing, the camera kind of captures her witnessing and then kind of reacting and then kind of failing at putting out that face forward that's supposed to fit her persona. Like she'll watch her husband do some ridiculous, dumb thing, and then her the camera will capture her shock and horror, and then it'll catch her like course correcting in the moment and reacting to like, oh wait, everything's fine and I need to put a good face forward and then the absolute failure of her conveying any kind of truth to what she says until she has had enough and she cracks. And I really enjoyed the, the kind of the two-handed performance from both these two actors. And it's not a movie where it's laugh out loud funny at all, but it's more of that cringe, how can this get worse for these people at the same time as you root for some comeuppance. Um, yeah, Hunt for Jesus, Save Your Soul and Peacock. Wow, I didn't know it was even streaming, but I wholly second that recommendation. So, yeah, I think everything on my list, I am at like a four star and up range. And so, same for me. Actually, all, that, well, it's Hulk all, is in all my fours, four star as well. Yeah, all fours and one five on my list here. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're, we're talking quality here, listeners. We're not like scraping from the bottom of the barrel for you. We want you to watch good movies. Well, my next film is a documentary. No surprise here, as that is one of my favorite 
styles of filmmaking. And so I have to have one on the list. I could have many, to be honest, but I'm going to go with Facing Monsters. And I promise that this isn't just on my list because they quoted me twice in the trailer for their film. But that was pretty awesome. Uh, the highest praise I can give this, and I know Don hates comparing movies, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But this is basically the free solo of surfing documentaries. It follows a professional surfer named Kirby Brown in his chase to surf a 40-foot wave. And just like Alex Honnold is to climbing, Kirby is a bit insane in his pursuit of accomplishing this dangerous task. That part of the documentary is at times a very tense and incredibly compelling journey, but we also get to see Kirby dealing with the introduction of children into his life, and we watch a man deal with the challenges that that brings to his previous mindset. He is not just a highly skilled and deeply driven man, but he is also genuinely charismatic and gentle too. And so unlike an Alex Honnold, he makes for a really great camera mark. Like he commands your attention when he's speaking and it doesn't feel awkward. <laughs> like he doesn't want the camera anywhere near him. Uh, he's totally fine with it. It's also a really beautifully scored movie and it features some of the most incredible ocean photography that you will ever see in your entire life. Just stunning, stunning, gorgeous water stuff. It's, it's good as it gets, unless you're James Cameron. He probably makes fake water look better than real water, so we'll give him a pass. But uh, for real water, this is as good as it gets. It, it, honestly, you could turn off the dialogue completely and still have, I think, a very uh, compelling and connected experience just seeing these images and listening to the very frequent and, and just glorious sound of crashing waves. I cannot recommend this enough to anyone who loves stories about extreme athletes, about people uh, pushing the boundaries and who are just driven to accomplish goals that most of us would find completely nutty. I, I always appreciate your recommendations and findings of documentaries. So again, going on the list. Oh boy, I get to do another completely non-important movie. Um, The next one for me is Confess Fletch. Uh, it is the, I don't want to, it's not a remake, it's not a reboot, I don't know, I guess this wouldn't be, it's kind of its own new incarnation of the character that most people know as a Chevy Chase thing from the 80s. So um, this is John Hamm kind of coming in and being the uh, investigative journalist that is that character who's from a whole series of books from the 70s that are all these little fun little kishy gumshoe things. And finally, we have a movie that uses John Hamm's comedic charisma to its fullest without making him look like a complete goofball because... I don't know about you, but all those years ago, but like when he shows up in the in Bridesmaids as that just boob of a boyfriend after we've seen him play Don Draper for all those years, it's not that we can't picture John Hamm having fun and being and being funny, but like he's got that that look, that charisma, those chisel features where like he can do more with he can do more than just play the doofus uh, where it just doesn't suit him. So finally, you've got Hamm just doing the the deadpan thing of like. The frank matter-of-factness of his character kind of walking into situations, being the smartest guy in the room, figuring little figuring little things out between a murder mystery and a heist film that kind of goes with the whole idea of the Fletch character. And I tell you what, um, this was a perfect use of that of that guy. Um, this is – I'd love to see him. This is his, um, I want to say, fourth or fifth um, film with Greg Matola, the director, who did uh, – for all of us, he did Superbad years ago. But he's been doing – him and Ham have been doing four or five movies together. And I tell you what. Let John Hamm play this character for a decade of movies. 
based on this kind of stylish, you know, stylish journalistic gumshoe thing because they've got something easy going. If it all it does is become these great little streaming movies, it doesn't have to be blockbuster kind of level things that would be overplayed, but just you've got a fun character who you would love to see show up more often. Um, I'm not saying it's Hercule Poirot or Benoit Blanc, but it's been a good year of sleuths, and we got one right here where I'm at the point where I'm like, Chevy who? John Hamm's the man. I am really glad that you talked about this. I have heard nothing but great things. This is not a series that I'm familiar with from my childhood. So this is one of those going on my list situations. And Well, it's been on my list. I didn't know it was streaming. I didn't know it was on Showtime. That's amazing because I have it. And I just watched X, Ty West's uh, horror film on Showtime the other night. So now that I know it's there, uh, I'll be checking it out very quickly, actually. Uh, It sounds great. Sounds and I just love the idea that someone in a major comedic role has the last name of Ham. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a great little punny connection there because yeah. he's hamming it up. He's literally hamming it up. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, it's I'll stop. It, <laughs> no, it's it's just um, it's just an easy going movie. Like if this was twenty years ago, this would be a Steven Soderbergh movie where it's not as sharp and as cool as a Soderbergh, you know, out of sight kind of thing, but just that level of unique crassness and little slickness that just you don't make anymore yeah yeah i'm excited to get to this one well i think i failed to mention where mine were so i'll quickly recap so the fallout is on hbo max and facing monsters you can watch via hoopla my next film is my father's dragon on netflix this is one for those with kids Uh, This is a 2D animated film based on the 1948 children's novel of the same name that I had never heard of, but that I bet my co-host here is way more familiar with than I am because he's a teacher. He's shaking his head. Wow. So you're not actually familiar with this. No, I didn't know the book. Um, I didn't know the history. I saw it, your recommendation of it. Netflix, of course, pitches it our way uh, as critics and, uh, Yeah, I'll let you describe it first, then I'll follow up. But no, I had no history with this. Okay, cool. Well, color me surprised. Well, the writer and director team for this film have been working with Cartoon Saloon and Pixar for years. So the quality expectation was high to begin with, and it certainly delivers. The film is not super deep in the way that you might typically expect from a Pixar movie or like in a historical way from a Cartoon Saloon movie. But I think that that's by design so that the metaphors can be more easily understood by a younger audience. They're very on the nose, uh, but they work. The whole plot revolves around a young boy named Elmer who has moved with his mother to a new place and they are struggling for him to get used to it and feel like he belongs. And he is whisked away into a fantastical world that essentially lets him go on a journey to overcome his fears. That's really the main storyline theme here. Along the way, he is guided by Boris the dragon, this super cute animated dragon. And he basically serves as the equivalent of an imaginary friend. And they have a lively and silly and ultimately a really emotional adventure that sees Elmer mature and he becomes more ready to face the new challenges in his life. The animation is gorgeous as always. And similarly, it kind of seems simplified from Cartoon Saloon's usual work. Uh, And I think, again, that is in order to appeal to a younger demographic. 
I was just really impressed with how they pulled it off. And I'm excited that someone is making impactful and entertaining stories for an age group that is usually fed nothing but empty slapstick jokes and minions going banana or whatever the heck it is that they do. So, and even so, I think that this plays really well for, you know, adults or older kids as well. You can get something out of it just like I did. And so I absolutely adored it. And I think that My Father's Dragon is a a very underrated contender in the best animated category this year. It's kind of an overall weak year comparatively to some. And this could sneak in, I think, to to some organizations' top five. I think so, too. Um, I think it's been a stronger year than we're willing to give it credit for. I think uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio and Marcel the Shell, which she was on, will will blow some people away and already has. But then uh, I think Turning Red is a lock for one of those five nominations, but it's those last two spots. You know, there's always like a foreign wild card and maybe there's, you know, one of the high studio things like a Minions movie or, you know, gets sneaks in there just for fun where is, but yeah, I'm with you. This, um, my father's dragon is a, is a worthy story. I love the depression era framing device. It's a great time period to talk about with kids and make them value, you know, make the kids of today that have everything value a time where you can very little and i i really enjoyed that at the same time as they can play against fears and do it in a fantastic way the animation you're right is very beautiful love that we can have some more quote-unquote traditional animation like you said in, in a sea of things that are just very very busy loud and silly like go ahead and be serious be heartful about it you know um i yeah i, I think the I, I, now that i circle back in my brain here probably that fifth nomination is like puss in boots uh the last wish so it, it it's a it's an easy field but uh there's one spot where something like this can land in here maybe this maybe the sea beast there's some there's some there's some hope there for some meaningful things because i know you're a big fan of the sea beast too i am i am what you got next i have oh geez i have the worst transitions to the picks you do um i have a war movie <laughs> an r-rated <laughs> an r-rated war movie so hey not kids for the younger kids <laughs> no not at all so I have a movie called Foxhole, and it's available on Hoopla Canopy with, through your library card in Tubi. And um, it's kind of a bottom movie, but it's kind of a triple bottom movie where you've got this ensemble of actors kind of all in, in, stuck in an isolated setting. And uh, it's unique because it's um, three different time periods with three different wars. It's the Civil War. It's World War One in Afghanistan. And they're all depicted by the same ensemble of actors playing kind of different, kind of similar soldiers in the three types of wars, all kind of stuck in a titular place called a foxhole. So in the Civil War, you have a uh, black soldier who made, you know, made it out of the fog and lands in an area where he's trying to, he's wounded. They don't know what to do with him. Obviously, there's animosity of what do we do with this guy? Because obviously the race is front and center and that kind of thing. But how do they stretch a bear a guy out if he deserves to, you know, get Get, get care down the battlefield away or if he stays and dies. In World War One, you have the racism kind of continue, unfortunately. It's still a time period where we had black soldiers, but they were serving a little bit more adeptly than they were before. But at the same time, it's he, what what effect can he have in this particular battle? And of course, trench warfare of World War One. By the time you get to Afghanistan, the war on terror, he's the squadron leader because he's the best of the best. And it's unique because you have these different actors who they don't play the same type or soldier archetype in each spot. Um, you have the born leader. You have the 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 coward. You have the the the, the spiritual one, and all those little typical soldier motifs. But uh, they're all played a little differently. I think the lead actor that um, 
uh, that probably is the top of the poster in terms of top billing is uh, 80s, 90s, star, you know, indie star James LaGrosse is kind of your your main guy in this. And then a lot of other kind of up and comers. And I was just really impressed with the, the group dynamics and the tensions that were really set very high on why they are there, what they do when they're there and how they get out of these or how they figure out how to get out of these situations if they even can. Um, but it's um really a collection of kind of almost what feels like three short films that just happen to be stitched together. It's maybe not the most blended thing in terms of like, if you're hoping for like a through thread of like, Hey, are all these like multi-general relations of each other? Like, is this somebody's grandson or someone's great, great grandson or something like that? Nothing's like that. But, um, I think you see that they kind of, that war is hell. How do we get stuck in these places? Uh, themes that just echo in three places where maybe we haven't gotten much farther than we have in terms of the kinds of war and the kinds of men that are to our left and to our right yeah that one i never heard of that at all but as you can imagine i mean i'm a, I'm a big war fan war fan that did not sound right i'm a big war film <laughs> fan i am yes, not sir? a fan that reminds me of what is it is it that's marcel right marcel's like yeah yeah i love war give me some <laughs> he's joking about how like why people say love and peace like oh yeah man love and war give me the war i like all that war stuff so anyway that was not my intent but that, that's definitely going on my list for sure sounds great well my transition won't be too weird this time uh, the next one i'm going to talk about is a documentary on hbo max called navalny this is the one that we talked about a little bit earlier uh, in the year, or I did not, but my uh, two co-hosts talked a bit about Navalny. This story is wild. I knew nothing about the subject of this documentary, Alexei Navalny, before it. He is a Russian opposition leader, and this is the story of him surviving an assassination attempt via poison and how it affected him his work, and his family in both the short term and the long term. I'm a huge sucker for documentaries that feel like genuine thrillers, and this one fits that bill. The best way I can sell you on this is to tell you about a specific scene. At one point in the middle of the film, this is after he's been poisoned and is recovering, Alexei and his team gather around a table full of connected laptops and cell phones with an intricate evidence board behind them. It looks just like that board behind Charlie Day in that meme where he's like trying to solve a conspiracy theory. It looks just like that. They are there to call the men that they suspect of trying to assassinate him via poison and try to coerce them into confessing on recording. And what comes next is it's a surreal moment of real-life investigative journalism that feels ripped from the plot of a spy novel, honestly. And it's honestly one of the most incredible things I've ever seen captured in a documentary in my entire life, the way it goes down. The whole thing is a shocking story. It's told in the manner of a riveting political thriller about a charismatic, audacious, would-be leader who is willing to risk his own life and freedom for the cause of bringing an end to this authoritarian Russian government of his homeland. His story, as of now, is not over yet, but I hope that he succeeds. We should all hope that he succeeds. And learning about him and what it takes for people like him to make change in the world 
is reason enough to highly recommend this as a much watch for pr- practically everyone. I, I think it is just astonishing stuff. It's it's one of those examples of where a documentary starts as one thing and turns into something completely different where actually having access to a person is less about painting a picture of them that they want to be seen and more about actually getting to witness the craziness of of what is taking place you know warts and all and it's just it's stunning stuff that sounds fascinating like like you said just that for a documentary to morph like that you don't see that too often normally it's all hindsight 2020 stuff or what they witnessed at the time has been edited and called together in a different way but that's okay i'm in i'm in again worst segues ever you did say the word sucker which means this is as close as i'm gonna get to a segue because i can't go from war poisoning to a hawaiian romance in any kind of jump so i am a sucker for romance movies and i'm a sucker for time travel movies and this one uh it's called press play it's on hulu and it gives me kind of a bit of both of those delights um the rub here is that there's um a young Hawaiian woman uh, played by Clara Regard, an actress I'd never seen before, um, can travel back in time uh, to relive moments from a past loss relationship through listening to their old mixtape on some busted, broken, magical tape player. I know. Weird. Um, modern day, doing the whole um, kind of an- you know analog tech in a, in a modern world thing. And when she does that, when she, when she re- when she's back in her body in those past things, she can kind of attempt to kind of change her future. Um, it's based on a relationship that um, that she has with a, a local kind of uh, surfer, you know, nice guy, works in the record shop, somebody who uh, her friend kind of coerced her into going on a date with. And the, the male star of this movie is Lewis Pullman from Top Gun Maverick, our, our favorite guy, Bob. And as Lewis Pullman, every time I see Lewis Pullman, I think of it, I think of his, you know, very... Uh, mousy father more than anything i mean i know is his dad bill it's bill pullman yeah okay do you see it now like when you see lewis a little bit never made that connection but it's no because in independence day bill pullman was a former fighter pilot like that's the thing right is like i literally have i wondered why he looks so familiar my mind is being blown in this moment i know you're gonna you're gonna Google a picture of Lewis Pullman and be like, oh my god, the features just match. His eyes are right I there had and no stuff idea. like that. But um, but Sunny um, Sunny and Tan Lewis Pullman kind of hits a little bit of mild dreamboat mode because he's this surfer nice guy, and it's just a nice romance of of good people trying to find each other. Obviously, there's um, not so much mistakes, but just just circumstances that keep these two apart. And it's um, yeah, it, it in a unique kind of time travel way. Uh, Danny Glover's in it as kind of the record store owners, where he kind of is noticing what's going on like wait you're going someplace aren't you and and she tries to explain to him and then uh the boy is oblivious and things like that and, and, and hawaii looks great um just a nice sweet still dramatic movie where the feels are there the, the the tears are possible but um just two nice people you want to see root for together and then the music of course it's all these like um modern unique new bands and and uh one of them i, I completely forgot the name of it. it'll come back to me after this whole thing, right? Uh, the look back in the review, somebody hit it big since this movie was produced. Where like there's a concert scene in the movie with this band, and they've of course become a big thing since. And uh, wish I knew the name of them to make this a better show. But um, look for my review on Every Movie Has a Lesson. It's called Press Play. It's on Hulu. If you like nice little romances that are a little bit a little bit sharper and better than the Netflix teeny bobber variety 
go look in Lewis Pullman's dreamy eyes and imagine President Lone Star. That's amazing. I, I love it. it. It sounds very much like something that I would enjoy, kind of along the lines of the map of tiny perfect things from last year. Those, you know, we're both suckers for that kind of story. And so I'm going to trust your recommendation on this one for sure. My last one is called Emergency, and this can be watched on Amazon Prime Video. It's pretty well established for my audience and anyone that follows me that I'm very picky about comedy. I'm often considered to be a hater <laughs> and someone who doesn't like to laugh. That's what people think. Not a lot of modern comedy works for me, but I was full on blown away by how this film balanced a typical buddy comedy and the classic one big college party night in a way that was increasingly tense and serious as a look at being a minority in America. It revolves around three minority students who end up having to weigh the pros and cons of going to the police when something unexpected surrounding a white girl, <laughs> is what I will say, happens to them. The tonal shifts are never jarring, and they always feel very natural. And it is helped by some wonderful acting by the primary trio of characters, one of which R.J. Seiler is a future star. You can just you know put that in all caps. Uh, he slays as the more streetwise and paranoid half of what I would call a bromance with his more studious and very naive best friend. Sebastian Chacon plays somewhat of a third wheel of the group. But he also perfectly manages the very understandable role of peacekeeper and the level-headedness that every group needs uh, that's important in a crisis. And as the men face each new escalating threat in their situation, I really was finding myself reflecting on what it might be like to be in their shoes. And through the character named Kunli, we get to experience how someone's view of their own place in the world can become completely shattered. It's heartbreaking stuff because we watch someone as he is continually presumed to be something he's not. Despite every single action he takes being well-meaning and well-intended. And so it's both an entertaining story, but it's also a great way for viewers to get a chance to see the world from a different point of view, as well as perhaps even check some of their own privilege and perceptions along the way, because you're going to see characters act in a way that feels pretty relatable and maybe a bit indicting of some of our own behaviors at times. Some of the subtle ways in which maybe we need to change the way that we operate around our fellow human beings, and, and that's how we should look at everyone. The film isn't a debut, but it is only the second feature uh, from uh, the director, Kerry Williams, and, and I honestly think it, it just firmly establishes him in a list of filmmakers who I'm really excited about seeing uh, where their career goes. We've had a lot of movies that are kind of like Emergency, about the black experience in America, but I've never seen one that worked like this you know we've seen some that are so heavy oftentimes 
and they're impactful in their way. But I think the the somewhat more lighthearted nature of how we go through a little bit of this, the way that the tension builds and isn't just really all there from the start. It's just a, a really, really expertly crafted little movie. And I, I just think it it's definitely something that everyone should check out. That sounds outstanding. Um, no, for me, I know R.J. Kyler from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl from 2015. He's fantastic in that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, he showed up in The Heart of They Fall a year ago during awards time here. So, yeah, nice little Western, nice little part. Fine actor. He's he's going places. He really is. I, I can't. I, I, I You give me these super serious movies and I come out and do the clown show. Um, Not so much a clown show, but still. <laughs> not a, a clown a, show. <laughs> no, the last one on my list tonight is um the one five-star movie of my of the things I've sent your way. It'll be in my top ten at the end of the year here. Um, and it's Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Um, it's available on Hulu. And um, this is an Emma Thompson star vehicle for sure. She plays a... A kind of a widowed old prude who is um in the process of paying for a male, male escort to give her kind of an attempt at some repressed sexual fulfillment that she's never had in decades of marriage after losing her husband, where there's a good chance she's never really climaxed. So she kind of muscles up the courage and the money to go to a nice hotel and hire a, a gorgeous young man played by Daryl McCormick, who's a hell of a discovery himself and a Best Supporting Actor nominee in my ballot here soon enough, where um you would think a movie that's kind of being touted as this sexual awakening kind of movie, that this would just be um, a movie of just tumbling in the sheets and stuff as that. But this is a fantastic conversation movie, where you have this woman who is very and trying to kind of renew a bit of interpersonal confidence, and this, you know, obviously somewhat conflicted, you know, sex worker, for better or worse, who is just kind of you know, validating what work he does that has nothing to do with insertion and completion, where he's just like, he's there for a mood. He's there for dream fulfillment. And he, and this woman kind of pokes and prods him as much as he is kind of easing and kind of, you know, breaking down kind of her barriers and the connection these two make in, in, in a movie that's virtually the two of them and no one else is extraordinary because Emma Thompson, who is always wonderful, just has that dither and blather about her where you completely believe a woman of her age in her 60s could be just as conflicted as she is about where she's at and it's believable and then you have this guy who is just relatable and real and and the kind of kid who you would take home you know on a date and not realize oh my god she's a he happens to be a male escort um whereas that part i feel like would be played by somebody who would just be a complete stickster, a complete full of himself, egotistical guy, but he's just a very real dude. And I was just impressed by the the conversation, the titillation, and the 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 places that this movie went to in such brave and amazing ways. I know that word "brave" gets used too often, especially for women in parts where it's you know more exposing of themselves and stuff as that. But no, the bravery here is in the the talk of it all more than the act of it all. And I was just really, really, really impressed by "Good Luck to You, Leo Grand" on Hulu. Yeah, I definitely can co-sign all of the acting and, and the conversations that they have. It's really wonderful to watch them interact. Like it is, it is genuinely captivating to see these two people that look so completely different go through these complicated scenarios. I do think people's ability to enjoy this or get something out of it is going to be largely determined by their morality 
And I think Agreed. anyone yeah. anyone with a strong opposition to sex work, yeah, you're not you're gonna find this to be very frustrating and upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, maybe challenge yourself. I agree. Give it a watch. Yeah, I it's think, Emma Thompson for goodness sakes. It's Mrs. It Potts. Is, and Come it, on. And it's a different perspective than something like, I mean, we've seen a lot of movies actually recently kind of touch on sex work. We've, we saw what was it, Red Rocket last year. Mm-hmm. This year, there's a movie called Pleasure. Also, it's phenomenal, but holy cow, I'm not recommending that to all of you. Uh, it's just there's a lot of films that kind of t- touch on like the porn industry. Mm-hmm. This is very different and, and has yeah. a much more emotional and, and deeper level of connection that it is working on. So, yeah, it's a good good recommendation for sure. Well, that's it, Don. We made it. Uh, 10 movies, 10 recommendations, folks. Uh, real quick, let's run down our list and where they can be found. My five are The Fallout on HBO Max, Facing Monsters on Hoopla, My Father's Dragon on Netflix, Navalny on HBO Max, and Emergency on Amazon Prime Video. Mine are Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul on Peacock or Peacock Premium, Confess Fletch on Showtime, Foxhole available on Hoopla, Canopy, and Tubi, Press Play, available on Hulu, and Good Luck to Leo Grand, also on Hulu. Awesome. Well, where can people find your work, Don? Tell them all of the millions of places that you oh my gosh. put stuff out. Yeah, so home base is everymoviehaslesson.com. Um, my published work uh, lands on 25 Well and soon to be transitioning to Film Obsessive. Um, I'm out there on Twitter. Um, I'm out there on Hive. I'm out there on a couple of things as Casablanca Don is the handle there. Um, I'm dallying in a uh, dilly dallying in TikTok. I'm having a great time with that. So uh, catch little reaction pieces there and uh, just trying to get the, the ugly mug out there. You're doing a great job. You, you've honestly started to inspire me to think about TikTok. I, I'm not, I'm not thinking, I'm not trying TikTok, but I'm thinking about it because I keep seeing you and I'm like, yeah. man. That's a really good idea. I like your reaction straight out of the yeah. theater. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, that's it for this week on FF Plus. Thank you, Don, for being here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Find us on social media. Chat with us there. If you're enjoying the show, share it with your friends. Tell people about it. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Check out Don's work. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling